Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why does making friends as an adult feel so What hard? should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that Why is was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know, know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. Josie here. Our guests today need very little introduction, so I will keep this brief, but today we have Clea Shira and Joanna Teplin, who are the founders of the home organization Empire, The Home Edit. You might know the brand from their books, the viral product line with the Container Store, or their hit Netflix show where they organize the spaces of celebrities like Khloe Kardashian, Reese Witherspoon, and Drew Barrymore. These women are doing a lot, okay? In this episode, we cover everything from their number one tips. Think of it like a lazy girl's guide to organizing your home, why organizing is so important to begin with, and tips for updating specific areas of your home. We also dive into what their off-screen relationship is really like, how they became so successful, and they even share their favorite celebrity whose space they organized. They are so hilarious, and their dynamic really comes across in everything they do. So this episode just has so much value. I know you guys are going to love it. Please welcome Clea and Joanna to the Every Girl Podcast. Okay, so you guys do not need any introduction, but let's uh, go ahead and start and give some context and start at the the very beginning. So how did you guys get into home organization and find each other to start the home edit? Well, Joanna actually had a home organizing business in San Francisco, and I moved to Nashville a year after she did and wanted to start my own uh, home organizing company. And we had a mutual friend who put us together because she was like, well, Joanna had one and wants to restart her business in Nashville. And Clea is new to Nashville and wants to start a home organizing business. Um, So she convinced us uh, that we should be business partners. Joanna was not having it. Um, at first, no. but we <laughs> not at all. We ended up going to lunch, and you know, we we spent four hours getting to know each other, and just decided to go for it. So, um, yeah, we went into business that same day. We didn't even decide. We just got up and we we're like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, we never asked each other if we wanted to be business partners. We just like got up four hours later and were business partners. Um, so, you know, I, I thought the idea sounded great from the beginning. Joanna needed some convincing, but it's, it's okay. We got there in the end. We did, but it's like going on a blind date and walking out like with wedding rings on. I mean, we had no idea what we were really signing up for. <laughs> oh my it's gosh. True. Cause that, that was a big gamble. I mean, to go into business with anybody, much less someone you just meet at a lunch. And is that, was that your reservation, Joanna? No, actually that, that piece was not, not a reservation. It wasn't about not knowing her. It was, it was just about, I can't fathom having a business partner. I had had my own businesses prior and I'm like, that just sounded so complicated and hard. And I, you know, I know 
I could count on myself, but what if there's just seems like there could be so many misses, you know? So it just never had dawned on me to have a business partner. But then the second I met Clea, I'm also, Clea and I are both very impulsive and intuitive. And the second I met her, I was like a hundred percent. So it was just like a feeling. The you know what? I wore her down. I wore her and down. The, and and <laughs> you did not wear me down. But the truth is though, I mean, our stories were so similar and I'm like, oh, she just, yes. Could we both move to Nashville sight unseen? with our two kids and we both moved for our husband's jobs. And that's a pretty surprising story that we both moved to a city we'd both never been to. And, you know, somebody that would do that, I'm like, yeah, this is going to, this is absolutely right. I don't know. It just, right. was, it was a real gut feeling, I think for both of us. Yeah. We just, we just kind of instinctively knew that it was, it was going to work and we really never doubted it. We never looked back. No, that's so amazing. Oh, that is like the story. I'm sure you hear this every time you tell that story that that's like what people want to hear is like the magical intuition when you guys first met. Like that is so wonderful to hear. So how did it become that four hour lunch and turn into, you know, where you are now with celebrity clients and a Netflix show? I know obviously that's a loaded question, but what do you think kind of turned the home edit into such a successful empire? Well, I think it's a few different things. I think that we were really clear from the beginning that number one, we wanted to leverage social media in ways that other organizing companies that came before us had not. Um, we wanted to extend our services to every well-known person in our network, um, which I grew up in LA. So, you know, we offered some of my friends from growing up and so forth who have followings on Instagram you know, we would offer services in exchange for social posts. Um, and we really wanted to have a defined style that set us apart from other organizers. So, you know, I think that creating something that was extra aesthetically pleasing in addition to smart systems really started to set us apart from the pack. And I think that people started to recognize our work as kind of a, a signature look. So I think that, again, utilizing the people kind of in our uh, ecosystem, uh, really leveraging social media, and I think really trying to have a look that became our own, um, you know, really kind of set us on an upward trajectory. And I, uh, Joanna and I have also been big believers in if you work really hard, work begets work, and just staying busy keeps you busy. And we just hit the ground running. You know, we offered our services to friends, to family. Um, parents at school, you know, and, uh, you know, word spreads, the busier you are, the more content you have to share. Um, you know, it all just kind of fed itself. And we said yes to everything, any opportunity. Yes. We said yes to, we, there was nothing too big or too small. You know, we had no idea what would lead to anything. So we literally just said yes. Yeah. We've been big. Yes. People from the beginning. So, you know, you just don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves. And, you know, we just, we would hop on a plane at a moment's notice. We, you know, if, if a celebrity or someone, you know, said, oh, I, I'd love you to come and, and organize my office sometime. We were like, well, we're already knocking on your door. We're already there. We're in the driveway. <laughs> right. We're so, outside. You know, right. yeah, exactly. So yeah, we just, we, we just capitalized on every opportunity we possibly could and never slowed down. We still haven't slowed down. Right. We never slowed down. And, you know, every year we would tell our husbands, I swear next year won't be so crazy, we promise. And they're just like, they just every year they just started shaking their heads. They're like, this is, this is just who you, who you both are. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, we can tell as the public that you guys are not slowing down anytime soon, for sure. You have so much going on. And that is interesting because you do have such a very distinct style, obviously, in your products and the way you organize. Like, it's a very distinct brand. And you've been geniuses in curating that brand and bringing it into every project you've done. Um, And the other factor, I'm curious what you guys think. Because from the outside, it very much seems like Obviously, your style, your organization, everything about that has made you so successful. But also, in my opinion, your friendship and like your personality and your partnership really shines through everything you do. Do you think that that's been a factor in how you guys have gotten to this level of success? Or do you think that's kind of like an added bonus? Or how do you guys see it? I think that is the success. I mean, on every level. I agree. I believe we were destined to meet and destined to be friends and destined to go into business together. But I actually think the success is because of the friendship. Yes, I agree. I think it's the like honest secret to our success is the fact that we are so close. I don't think that this business would have survived um, if we didn't have the foundation of our friendship. You know, we spend so much time together, especially when we travel, that it would just be a nightmare. I mean, there's no way we could achieve what we've been able to achieve if we weren't able to be around each other 24 hours a day. Right. We just, and it, because we became friends at the same time we started really working together, we never knew any other way. So we, we, we didn't know each other. And then we basically lived together. It was, it was, (laughs) it was only those two options. And so we, because we spent so much condensed time together, we got to know each other so well and we were able to work essentially all the time because we were traveling so much too in the beginning. And so there was no wasted minutes. You know, it wasn't like we had a nine to five. We both literally worked all the time and we worked together and it solved things in real time. And, you know, we just, we, we just kept it small until, until we couldn't. And do you have tips for working with friends? Because obviously that's so hard, but it, I mean, as a viewer watching your Netflix show, like that is one of the most amazing things that comes across to me is like, how do these people who are obviously so close and have this wonderful friendship relationship are close to each other's families? It seems like, like, how do you have a business together? Are there any tips or kind of like keys to success you guys have found managing that relationship? Oh God, find a really good um, partner spouse to help take care of everything that you're not doing because (laughs) Joanne and I, yeah, everything you're not doing at home. um, Like we become so like fully engaged and all encompassing with everything with work that it's like, you know, who's picking up the kids, who's doing parent teacher conferences, who's it's, it's all them. So that's been the, the secret as far as working with friends, you know, I have always been very hesitant about working with friends. So honestly, I, I still would be hesitant about working with friends. But the, the fortunate thing for this situation was that, and Clea laughs, but I said, we were never friends. You know, we only, we, we went from strangers to ma- being married, essentially. <laughs> so there was no baggage. There was no preconceived notions. There was no, you know, just nothing behind it. It was just pure and we could just, there was no slate to clean. We were a clean slate. And I think the other piece to it, you know, obviously we're very similar in a lot of ways and we're also very different in a lot of ways. And I think the best thing that we both realized early, a few things. One is that we know the other one only has good intentions for the other person. So if there's ever a miscommunication, it's literally only a miscommunication. It, the bar is only that something was miscommunicated. It wasn't, there was never a question of whether someone's intentions were wrong or anything like that there. So we don't get into any of that because at the end of the day, it only could be a miscommunication and that's just the truth. 
The other piece to it, I think, is that with our differences, we both accept the other person for exactly who they are. We know where the differences are. We know what buttons are going to get pushed, but we both, you know, have just, it's like kind of marriage. I mean, you just know the person and you accept them for who they are and don't fight it upstream, even if it's not who you are all the time. I think we've both managed that and, you know, as well as we can. And I think that's really served us well. Yeah, that's really good advice. Trust each other, like have that. It, I mean, it just sounds like the core of it is so much your intuition with each other, like that you really trust the other. You have this respect for each other. And it also is really funny too. I'm sure you get this a lot, but I think a lot of people assume you guys were like best friends before going into this business instead of you met for the business and then have become friends and grown a relationship since. So I, I think that that's a lot of really amazing advice for how to work with someone and trust their opinion and have success in that. So does that mean you guys, like, do you ever fight? We had so many people want to know, like, do you guys get in fights? How do you handle that? And it seems like you kind of have misunderstandings, but manage it and respect each other. We've literally probably gotten in under five fights in our lifetime together. And considering how much time we spend. And honestly, I can only think of like, one or two that were even real. Like one time we got in a fight about food storage. Like that was a dumb fight. <laughs> so, you know, there are literally only been a couple where it was like, we actually got in a real fight. I mean, and considering the amount of time we spend together, I'd say that's a huge success. <laughs> so huge success. That's impressive. Yeah. We just yeah. don't, I don't know. We don't waste a lot of time. You know, organizers are efficient. We don't have time to fight. Yeah. And you know, there's not that much to fight about really when you're, when you know, the other person's intentions are never, are never sinister. You know, it's like, you have to really get to the core of what's going on because it, it just, it basically has to be some sort of misunderstanding or someone's being extra sensitive on either side. You know, there, there is something else that's fueling it because at the end of the day, it probably doesn't really matter. A hundred percent. That's actually great. Like dating relationship advice too, is like, if you trust their intentions, then there's really nothing to get so, you know, blown up over because it's just a misunderstanding at the end of the day. So that's really great advice. And your guys' relationship, I know I've said this so many times already, but I can't stress enough how much that comes through and that I think people obviously love to follow you guys and see what you're up to because of your amazing tips and people want to learn how to organize their home like you do. But a really a huge thing is is your personalities individually as well as your partnership together I think is so entertaining and like wonderful to watch like we don't have enough female friendships and partnerships to really look up to so I think that that's a huge part of what you guys do that's so impactful well that is very kind and I'm I feel especially lucky because Clea is by far one of the funniest people I will ever know and so I think the laughing piece and just the humor of everything, finding humor and all of the stress is also been so critical to our success and managing, you know, we've had, it's been a wild ride an unbelievably incredible ride that we're so grateful for, but it's, you know, it hasn't come without stress. And I think the key to all of it is really finding the humor in any of it. And Clea is masterful at humor and storytelling and (laughs) comedy. Well, laughing is sometimes just the only thing we have. <laughs> so whenever, whenever we can find something that we can just laugh until we cry, that's a, that's a win. Yeah, you guys seem like you must have the most fun time. I'm like, I want to hire them just to have fun, just so <laughs> they make me laugh. So you guys seem like you have the best time. We do have a fun time. 
We do. I mean, we're not actors. So, you know, whatever you see is real. And we, we really laugh a lot. And I mean, that is, that's been the best gift of it all, honestly. That's so crucial. That's what matters most at the end of the day is that you can laugh and have fun doing it. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So let's get into the meat of it, all of the tips, because I know everyone wants to know how they can get the home edit effect in their home. So what are your top, like maybe like five tips someone can do today to improve their home? Like think like lazy girl's guide to organizing, biggest bang for your buck. What are your kind of like go-to tips you recommend for everyone? The first thing we recommend to anyone is to start editing your items. That The edit is the most important part of the organizing process. It's free. It costs no money. It's light, literally to lighten up your space is so impactful and takes literally no skill. All it does, all, all it is, is you need to have like a decisive attitude. Um, you need to be willing to put in a little bit of energy towards the process, but the edit is, is so critical. Um, and you know, when you're thinking about the type of space you want to organize, especially if you're new to this, we always recommend people start small. So start with a drawer, pick a drawer. It can be a kitchen drawer, a junk drawer, bathroom drawer, whatever it is, but you'll be able to see the whole process through from A to Z. And, you know, if you start with too big of a project, you can always, you just end up kind of crippled by the process. So, um, you know, start, start small, edit your items. And Joanna, do you want to go into some of the others? Sure. The next step after editing is you want to categorize your items so that you can see, you know, how many ketchups that you have or whatever it may be. You want to categorize things. And so you can get rid of duplicates. You can realize some are like, you know, seen better days, all of those things. And then once you finish categorizing, you want to contain. I know people get very excited and they're like, oh, I can't wait to get new product. I can't wait to contain. But you actually have to do the other parts at least if not first at the same time, you can't just start buying stuff and not knowing what you have. Otherwise you're going to end up doing 45 trips to buy a new product. You have to see what you're actually containing and what the space is you want to measure and all of those different things. And then you, at the end of it, once you contain the items, you want to label it so that you can maintain it. And the labeling is the key to maintenance at the end of the day. Yeah. And labeling is really, it's a set of instructions that lets you know where to find things, where to put them away. And it doesn't have to be a label that has like, it doesn't have to be a label that has words. It can be a visual label. The rainbow color coding system is really a form of labeling too. You know, it's like if your closet is color coded, you know exactly where to put the blue shirt and where to find the red top and, you know, everything kind of has a home um, that we love the rainbow. Obviously we think it's beautiful, but it really does serve a purpose. It is in and of itself a system. So, you know, labeling again, a set of instructions, it's a roadmap for where everything goes in the home. And it's really helpful for the rest of the household too. If you do the organizing, let's say you organize your pantry. If, you know, you label it afterwards, the next person who comes in is going to know how to use your system. So those are kind of the five overarching tips for how to, the very basics of organizing. Those are such good, good, really important tips. And that's always my question is like, like I want to go to the container store and buy all of your amazing products, but I never know, like, how do I know exactly what I need? And like, so it's helpful to actually have those tips kind of like laid out in that order that you have to edit first. You have to know exactly what you're working with. I know you guys mentioned this a, a little bit already, but my biggest question that I have when, especially when I'm like watching your show and seeing the stunning, gorgeous closets and kitchens and everything that's beautiful. I'm like, do these people keep it organized? Like, what are your tips to making sure 
that the system you implement like gets really used and that you can keep it organized once you do the editing like especially as you're buying new things and you know like more things are coming in and out like are there any tips for making sure that you keep it organized absolutely the first thing you want to do is make sure you set up systems that are simple and that are easily maintainable so you want to be ask yourself some serious questions which is how much maintenance you know think about like coloring your hair it's like or do you want something fancy that's going to require constant maintenance constant coloring or do you want to just basically have bare minimal maintenance where you're just coloring the tips of your, you know, your roots, essentially. You want to make sure that it's a simple system that works for your family. Are you going to want to come home from the grocery store and decant every box of cereal? Or do you want just a basket that says breakfast? You take, you lose the packaging and you just have the cereal still neatly organized, but just in one basket together. There are different levels of what we call like a fussy factor. And you want to be honest with yourself, which is like how fussy you want your space to be and like what your look, what look and, and maintenance you want to put into continuing to keep it up. And it's important to remember that organizing does require maintenance. It's just like going to the gym or eating healthy or whatever it may be. You know, it requires you to do it for the long term, not just a one and done. Um, so, you know, I think that people can feel frustrated if they view the system as not working just because they bring in new things home from the grocery store or new things into your closet, but it just needs to be incorporated or the system has to evolve. You know, like if, for instance, you're, you know, you're keto now or, you know, having a new kind of diet and the systems that you put in your pantry, maybe your labels need to be updated. Maybe you need to expand your categories. That's all part of maintenance. It, you know, we don't need to be afraid of it. And I think that sometimes the impediment for people with getting organized is they don't think they can stay organized. And it really just, it should be simple. The system should be plug and play. Um, and again, Joanna's right. It's about being realistic at the beginning and being honest with yourself about, you know, the, the systems that you're going to put in place. Just because you see a pantry on Instagram that looks gorgeous, I don't know, you might not be the kind of person who wants a million canisters. You might be someone who just needs catch-all bins. So it's, it's being honest, it's letting the system evolve and realizing that maintenance is part of the process. So it's not, you know, it's not a failure if you need to adjust something. That's really good advice. And I love that you mentioned like the, like, when you see on Instagram, like this gorgeous pantries with like a thousand different types of pasta bottles and, and it can feel so overwhelming of like, oh my gosh, do I need that? I've actually bought certain canisters in the past and have bought food for those canisters because I just wanted to fill them and use them. So to start with what fits your lifestyle, I think is a really good tip. That's not obvious to a ton of people. Do you recommend kind of like a continual edit of things like a, like every three months or every year or whatever, do like a check-in and see, you know, if you need to reorganize or change the system? Sure. I mean, I think that it would be optimal. You know, we generally recommend like once a season, just in terms of all spaces, I think it's good to kind of do a sweep through with perishable items. I, I would actually up that and, you know, even once a month, just do a spot check, make sure you're actually number one, using the items that you have, um, that things haven't expired or, or gone bad. Um, and it's just nice to kind of clean things out. I think a pantry and fridge gets so much use and it's like such a high traffic place. And again, anytime you are dealing with perishables, I think it's really important to do spot checks and, and make sure things haven't gone bad. Fridge drawers can become a graveyard, you know, all of that. But I think that pantry and fridge, I would do once a month. Once a month. Okay. That's good to know. 
and also getting into new seasons. You know, there's things that come up seasonally, like winter winter coats versus sun visors. And, you know, we're getting into cold and flu season, making sure that your medicine cabinet or a grab-and-go station for all of your winter like cold and flu supplies is at the ready. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why we were so excited to partner with Abbott is because we can, we love the Binax Now COVID test. It makes it so, it makes you feel so much more secure when we're getting out the door in the morning. If someone has a sniffle, you can easily test them. You have it with your hand sanitizer, just keeping up with all these different systems throughout the house, not just the fridge and freezer, but also like the mudroom and any medicine cabinets are important too. The bathroom often gets overlooked um, as far as expiration dates go. And that is a really important one to keep up to date on. So you do not want to be using um, cough medicine that's expired from five years ago. So it's, and people don't realize makeup too, like it, it all expires. So it's, it's really important to stay up to date and organized on it. But yeah, Joanna's, Joanna's right. We love it. We love a station. Um, We, you can't see it because we're not on video, but we have a beautiful organized medicine cabinet that we partnered with Abbott to to organize all their by next now COVID tests. And it's, it's really a thing of beauty, but uh, we'll send you photos. <laughs> I know I, I'm dying to see now, honestly, I want to see both of your medicine cabinets, I'm sure are stunningly organized. So I would love pictures, but that's so true. Yeah. Like you bring up a really good point. That organization is not just about kind of like the aesthetics. It's also about making sure that you, you know, you don't have expired uh, medications. You don't have expired beauty products. Like it's actually helping you stay on top of all of the many things we have in our homes. Like it's a helpful system for you to keep your home healthy, not just a, you know, beautiful form of aesthetics, I guess. Yeah. I mean, organizing is not just it's not just for aesthetics at all. I mean, they, these systems are really important and, you know, going through and again, spot checking what you have, it's not only so that you don't use something expired, but it's also, you know, you know what you're running low on, you know, what you're not using. You can, you know, start replacing things with actual items that you do use. I think that in general, I think as a culture, we hold on to more than we should. So, you know, again, doing a proper edit, checking for expiration dates, checking for, um, you know, if you haven't used something in like a year, chances are you probably won't. So, you know, th- things like that. It's it's a good practice all the way around. Yeah, that totally reminds me, like I, I know, you know, there's people who will keep food in their pantry that they'll never enjoy eating, but they're like supposed to have it because it's healthier. Like they'll keep clothes in their closet that, you know, they haven't worn for years, but they're thinking like, I'm going to you know, fit myself back into this pair of jeans eventually. Do you recommend your clients to just like get rid of that stuff that they, it's kind of like that aspirational, like one day that I think can be kind of damaging for, you know, their mental health. Do you advise people to get rid of those things? I think it depends. There's a, there's a happy medium that I think should be achieved. I think it's totally fine if you want to have a few aspirational items. Um, we have made a label before for aspirational denim. I get it. Someday, Love maybe that. you will fit back into it. <laughs> but there are certain things in the closet. And I think we all, if we're being honest with ourselves, like the ship has sailed. So I think that, you know, you can keep some of it, but if it's taking up a tremendous amount of space, you're really doubling down on a mistake. And you should, you know, let, let somebody else enjoy it. Let it, let it have a second life and, you know, holding on to it, it just becomes kind of pointless. Right. And it takes up not only physical space, but mental space. Every time you walk by it, you either, you, you have a guilt trip. You're like, why can't I fit back into that? Or 
this person gave this to me and I can't get rid of it. Like you're doubling down on something that you don't need to be. A hundred percent. That is, is a helpful way to think of it. Cause I think that is one of the biggest issues people run into when organizing is having all of these things. Like you said, we have so much stuff and some of that stuff is there because we feel guilty and we don't want to, you know, donate a gift someone gave us, but we'll never use or those pants we haven't fit into in years, but eventually want to, you know, that there are so many things that has like emotional tie to it. Um, you guys already had so many great tips, but do you have any other tips for clients that do struggle with kind of giving up some of those items that they're not using and they could do without, but for whatever yeah. reason they have those emotional ties? Well, a couple things. One is we always say, and this is this goes for anybody with a studio apartment or a huge mansion, it, you either get the item or you get the space. So you have to decide what's the most important one, which which one do you want first? Because if you, you can't have both at the same time. You either get the space back and you have that breathing room between different, you know, say we'll talk about a closet. You have breathing room between each hanger or you get the items are so valuable that it's worth cramming in as many hangers as humanly possible into your space and the items are more valuable but you can't have both at some point and so thinking through it in that way that it's actual real estate and how do you want to 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 spend your money and you know that space I always keep that in the forefront of my mind for for myself and also for clients yeah and I think it's also a good idea to kind of limit yourself on how much space you're going to allow for a certain thing. Um, that's why we like containment in general, because it does hold your space accountable. Like you can only fill a bin so much before it starts to overflow. So, you know, dedicate, if you want to hold on to things, like this is how many hangers I'm going to devote to it. And this is how much drawer space I'm going to devote to it. Um, you know, after a while, like if I'm really not wearing these pair of shoes, Am I holding on to them because they make me happy to look at or am I holding on to them because I actually believe I'm going to wear them someday? You know, it's like you just have to kind of ask yourself hard questions and, you know, and commit to it. So, you know, if you're going to allow yourself 10 hangers in the closet to hold dresses that you might not have been able to wear or for whatever reason they don't fit, they're not, you know, what, whatever it may be, like just commit to those 10 hangers and you don't get an 11th hanger, you know? I mean, it's, again, it's holding holding yourself accountable and holding your space accountable. And the other thing I guess I would say too, especially if it's, if you're doing a per, if you're going to organize a, a space that's personal, like your closet, you have to accept that there's going to be probably emotional landmines in there for you. And, you know, so to, so to emotionally prepare for the editing process, because you're probably going to have something that trips you up and you might as well be prepared on the front end to say, okay, I have the mental energy to decide to go through this close, whether, you know, it's somebody passed away and you're holding on to it as a memory, whether it's that you had a baby and your clothes no longer fit, whatever that might be, most people have emotional landmines in their, in their clothing closet. And so with that, it's sometimes helpful to do the edit one day and not try to organize it the same day. Cause it's just sort of two different sides of your brain that need to work and breaking it into two parts can be helpful also. I love thinking of it like the, like it's like real estate of like you have a, a contained amount of energy and space to offer it. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I think we often think of organization as like, oh, should I get rid of this or keep it? When in reality, it's kind of a, a bigger picture where, you know, is the space worth this or is it worth something else? Like what would right. bring most value to you? So that's right. an extremely helpful way to think of it. I, this is inspiring me to go clean my closet because I need it. And I have so many pieces like that where I'm like, oh, but I wore this on my first day with my boyfriend and I can't get rid of it. Yeah. But I'm like, 
I don't really care at the end of the day about it. So right. that is right. helpful because there's there is so much much emotions with clothes. I feel like especially people have that association with so many things and and it just kind of takes up space that they could use to either kind of like organize and have that like uh, organization relaxation in their closet when they're looking at what to wear or that it could be you know open space for more items that would bring them more joy and be more useful to them so that's really really helpful and there's nothing wrong with holding on to something if it just makes you happy you know maybe a pair of shoes hurt like crazy but they just you love how they look well that's that you can consider that artwork and there and if you have the space for that artwork there's nothing wrong with keeping it you know you just have to you have to justify it why you're keeping something and, and be honest with yourself yeah that's so oh god the amount of shoes i have that i'm keeping because they hurt but i'm hoping i'll wear them someday but but it's true yeah what you can compare what's worth it to you and what's the value so that's a really really helpful way to see it so looking at like this might be a very broad question, but I know a lot of people struggle with this when they are going to organize a space, whether it's their closet or like a pantry. Like what categories do you know work the best? If any, like I, I know, for example, I always think of um, like, should I organize my pantry based on, you know, uh, certain types of food or should I do it like these are the foods I typically eat for breakfast and these are the foods I typically eat for snacks, like organizing them instead by function versus category. Like, is there any tips for that or is that kind of just like a case-by-case basis? I think that, you know, you choose the categories and how to organize based on what works for you and what works for the household. You know, there there's never like one right way to do anything. We always say that the the right way is the way that you're going to maintain and um, if it's sustainable for you, if it makes sense in your brain, you're going to be far more likely to be able to maintain it. So there is not like one mandated way. It's, it really is what works for the individual client. You know, when we're organizing a closet, for instance, there are certain ways that we like to do it. In fact, sometimes our different members of our team have very strong feelings about how to, uh, how to line up clothing. And, you know, some people do it differently. But at the end of the day, it's whatever the client wants. Sometimes the rainbow works for them. Other times, you know, they want all the short sleeves together. They want all the long sleeves together. They want skirts separated from, you know, it's like everyone has very strong feelings about kind of what works in their brain. And there is no one right answer. I think there is that idea of like, okay, everything should look a certain way and be organized by category. And I always think of it like maybe some people would prefer all of their work clothes together and then all of their, you know, going out to dinner clothes together instead of shirts and pants. And so that's, that's really helpful just to like, maybe for everyone listening to get creative on like, what actually would be the system that's most helpful for you. And then keeping up with that system, not feeling like you have to go by specific categories, by types, you know, and just kind of like thinking how your brain works and what works for you. So I think that's really helpful to know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we have clients who want their uh, closet organized seasonally. You know, we have people who, again, love the rainbow. We have people who feel like it's more category specific, where they want this type of shirt, you know, like flannel plaid button downs all together, you know, denim separated. Some people feel strongly about whether denim should be folded or hung. You know, I mean, it's everyone kind of has a different, a different feeling with it. And I think that there, again, there's no one right way to do it, which is a nice thing about organizing, you know, as long as, as long as you can maintain it, that's great. That's a win. Yeah. Finding what works for you. Yeah. That, that is helpful to like make my brain wrap around the idea of organizing is like how, what actually would be best? You know, what 
in my day-to-day life would make the most sense. Do you have any tips? We got this question a lot for getting other people in your home to keep up with the organization system. So whether it's kids or significant others. So what I'm really asking is how do I make my boyfriend stop hijacking my aesthetically pleasing organizational system? Do you have any tips for kind of like sharing it with people in your home? Oh, do we? Yep. A couple (laughs) tips. One is you have to, first of all, set up simple systems that are reasonable for everyone that lives in there. For example, you can have a basket that's labeled shoes. Now, if for you personally, you want the shoes to be lined up a certain way within the basket, that becomes a you problem versus a them problem. So trying to decide what's reasonable, I'll give you another example, actually. One is Clea and I both separately make our children make their beds in the morning. All the kids make their beds in the morning. However, both of us separately don't like how our kids make their beds. So we then go remake their beds because that's an us problem, but they did the work. So you have to decide what's worth it to you and what's, what's realistic for somebody else to maintain. Yes, I think realistic and reasonable are kind of the, the key to getting everyone to stick to you know the organizing that you put in place. I think another thing that's really critical is the labeling process. If you label something, it's far easier for everyone in the household to kind of follow the path that you laid out with you know your systems. If you organize something and it doesn't have labels, you know, like the, a pantry is just not going to stay organized. And the people who came in after you who didn't do the organizing, they're not going to know where to put things. They're not going to know where to find things. So it's just going to become, you know, this, this system's going to fall apart. So I think having reasonable expectations, again, like a basket for shoes, it should be like a no brainer. It should be an absolute plug and play. You take your shoes off, you put them in the basket, you know where they go. If someone's putting the shoes next to the basket, that's not reasonable. You know, the, you, you set out a really simple system. Um, so if you're reasonable and realistic and label your work, it's almost impossible to not follow. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I'm sure the labels, like even I'm sure with kids, there's ways to like get creative with, you know, like you said, like it doesn't even have to be word labels. It's like a fun color or a picture of it or mm-hmm. that, that that's like a very simple, easy way to be like, this is exactly where everything goes and it's easy to follow. And you're inspiring me because now I'm like, I have to get more bins and organization because I'm like, I tell my boyfriend, this is where the chips go. This is where the pasta goes, but we don't always listen, but I don't have bins. So it's probably my fault. Well, if you don't have bins, you need to contain your items and you need to label the containers because otherwise who's going to know how to follow the, the system that's like in your head. Like if you say, this is where the chips go, that's not easy enough. And that's not, you know, that's not like a, a realistic expectation of how things are going to stay. That's so true. Last organization-related question. For this time of year, I want to know what changes you both make to your homes to make them feel cozier or in general, what changes do you make for transitioning into colder months? I know you already mentioned kind of like having your um, like cold and flu season, having all your medicine set up, your cough syrups, all of that good stuff. Um, But are there any other tips and ways you change your homes individually for this time of year? Well, Joanna lives underneath a blanket. So it's really, uh, this, this year or this season is, is really no different. Um, she, no, I, I, I love a cozy, all things. I, I would live in this season for the rest of my life. If I could, I, you know, bring on all the scarves, the blankets, the heavy jackets, the co- the fall colors. I'm here for all of it. Do you change your home? Like, do you add in like touches of colors or textures or things as it gets into colder months? I mean, I have some like uh, fall decor that I just I get excited about. Um, but 
you know, the blankets stay out year round. I mean, there's just, there's more blankets in my house than I could, I'm, in, I'm too embarrassed to admit how many blankets <laughs> in my house that exist. I mean, what's better than like a cozy blanket? Zero things. Absolutely zero. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Um, so pivoting a little bit, I know we're running out of time. Um, and this episode obviously is all about how listeners can get their homes to be more like you guys and, and all the organization tips, but obviously there's so much more to you both than just stunning homes and drill worthy organization. So Clea, I know you've been so open about your journey with breast cancer. And by the way, I saw recently you finished your last round of chemo. I did. I'm finally done with chemo. So I'm really, really excited. Yes. Thank you. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I would love to hear about your journey and what the experience has been like for you. Well, um, having cancer is, is a bit of a wild card. Um, I've learned to not necessarily, you know, you can't control a single thing that's happening on any given day. Um, not that I really could anyway before, but this has definitely taught me, you know, to have to go with the flow a little bit more. You know, I, uh, one of the reasons why we were so excited to partner with Abbott on the Binax Now testing is it's one of the ways that's really kept me safe and healthy through my cancer journey. Um, we've had to test tremendously. I mean, like every single day. Um, and it's really helped me. I was so nervous with rising cases and everything that I was going to get COVID during chemo. And I'm just so grateful for the accessibility and the ease with testing. Um, it's, it's a miracle that I, that I didn't get COVID to be honest. So I'm, I, my, you know, your immune system is so compromised during chemo. And, you know, it's, it's been a really emotional time. Um, it's been also a really uplifting time. I've have met so many incredible women through this journey. You know, I, I, I can't, I'll never put into words kind of what this year has been like, but I feel really, really lucky. I feel like the luckiest cancer patient in the world. I don't think many cancer patients feel all that lucky, but I, I definitely do in this particular instance. I've had tr- incredible care. I've you know, have amazing coworkers. I have Joanna as a business partner. I have such support at Hello Sunshine. Um, my husband's been just amazing. My mother's practically lived with us um, during treatment, which I, who, who knew that would be, you know, where I am at 40 years old living with my mother again, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it's been overall, I'd say, um, you know, it hasn't been easy, but I, I feel extremely lucky. Yeah, to see the people rally around you and support where they can, for sure, was, I guess, a silver lining or like a a lesson to be learned coming out of it, like how much people can show up for you. What did you learn from your experience that you would want to tell other women? I know this is a loaded question. No, I, um, you know, I'd say that I learned that keeping a positive attitude and a positive outlook help me get through this in ways that I can't even express. It's so important. If you shut down and kind of stay in your bed all day, I think this experience will overtake you. So I think it's really important. Fill yourself with things that make you happy, surround yourself with people that make you happy, and just try and stay as positive as you can. Search for the light at the end of the tunnel. For me, we, my family and I are going on a cancer-free trip to Hawaii at the end of the year. And I think about that and plan it, you know, when, whenever I'm kind of feeling shaky and feeling down, I just like look towards where I'm going to be in such a short amount of time. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's just all, all we can do. 
Yeah. Yeah, to focus on what the the light at the end of the tunnel could look like. That's a great idea to do a, a trip at the end of it all and, and like have that big thing to look forward to. I, I know you're sharing it over social media and being so vocal about your experience. I know it's helping so many people. And congratulations again for your last round of chemo. That's so exciting. And I hope you enjoy your trip to Hawaii. That's amazing. I'm very excited. I still have to get through radiation, so I'm not out of the woods yet, but it's so soon. So soon I can so soon. practically feel it. I know. I'm sure it's like you're going through kind of like the checklist of like, okay, last round of chemo, that it's going to be the last radiation and, and you can get to the checklist. You can see the end of it. Yes. I, I can see the end of it. The end is, is coming up soon and um, I'm, gosh, I'll be so grateful to get to the end. <laughs> okay. So we're going to end with some rapid fire questions. Um, the first one, you can choose not to answer, but I would love to know the favorite celebrity you've organized for. Well, I think you know we have to say Reese Witherspoon, right? <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> She's, she is our boss now, after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she seems like amazing. Yeah, Reese is our all-around favorite anyway, so. Yeah, and I and her projects seem fun too, like of all the her movie costumes and everything, so I'm sure that was a yeah. fun project to work on also. She's the best. Biggest difference between your 20s and 30s? Joanna, would you like to answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> I was a mess. I was a mess for most of my 20s and very yes. organized for most of my 30s. It's my favorite question because yes. Joanna, <laughs> was, her favorite Joanna question. was a slob. Yeah, there, there you have it. Joanna, you were a slob in your 20s? Oh, yeah. That yeah, is yeah, yeah, shocking. Yeah. yeah, we'll save it for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come back to it later. That, I mean, if that's not inspiration, that Joanna could go from a slob in her 20s to that one of the co-founders of the home edit now, like that's pretty inspiring. That's amazing. Anyone can find their way. If Joanna can find her way, anyone can find their way. You know? That's amazing. We're going to need picture evidence pretty soon. Oh, I I need picture evidence. I'm going to make wallpaper. (laughs) I'm sure it's out there. Don't hang it up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Your go-to all-time favorite movie and why? Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, I have to get back to you on that one. I don't even think I can answer. Well, Joanna had three movie posters um, growing up in her room. So it was um, uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, A League of Their Own, and yep. are you ready for it? Aladdin. So Stop. I think that it would have. To, so I think it would have to be one of those, Joanna. Don't you think? I, I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> those are three great ones. It's so funny to me. The Aladdin one gets me every time. I know it does. It really, it's really something for the book. I would say A League of Their Own is up there for me. I would say A League of Their Own, Almost Famous, Forrest Gump, you know, all the, all the ones that you kind of have to mention. Yeah. The classics. The, the classics. classics. I love all of those. And I, I, I also had an Aladdin poster. So I feel like Joanna, it was a great you, movie. It was two very Aladdin poster Yeah. Wow. I know you don't hear that wow. a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I'm validating your childhood because, yeah. Thank you. I'm here for that. (laughs) Well, thank you both so much. This was such a fun conversation. You have so many, obviously, amazing tips. Where can everyone find you? Give us your show, your product line, everywhere that people can come and find you guys online. Well, for social, we are at The Home Edit on all the platforms. Um, We have a show called Get Organized with The Home Edit on Netflix. We have a podcast that launched today, um, actually called Best Friend Energy. And we have books in every place you can find a book. We have product line at the Container Store. We have an exclusive product line at Walmart. 
Um, Joanna, am I missing anything? No, I think. I know. I think are you sick of us yet? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are doing it all. It's amazing to list all the things. My God, like, how do you guys have time for anything else? Um, and I was going to say, too, I cannot wait to listen to your podcast. You guys are meant for the podcast. You're giving the people what they want. I'm so excited to go listen. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. We really appreciate it. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.